Thanks for checking out Lincoln Way Christian Church's podcast. And don't forget to also check out www.lincolnway.org for more information about Lincoln Way Christian Church. Now let's get right to it and listen to Pastor Jeff as he brings today's message. In the years following my father's death, um, learned something about friendship. And it was watching the friends who were my mother's friends, my dad's friends, while he was alive. And what happened was is that these friends, these ones who they were close to, we would not see over a period of time. Some would stay in there, but there were some, some who, who were very close to my mom, who sort of backed away and, and um, didn't want to be with her anymore. Mom and dad lived, and we lived in a rural suburbia. We lived in, a, in what would be the American dream. You know, we had the five kids and the, and the dog and, uh, uh, you know, the three acres of ground. And it was, it was just a wonderful place to be raised. But my father's death changed the relationships. It, it changed how things were being done. And many of our relationships in the suburbs are, are what we can call transactional relationships. It's relationships that say, um, what's in this for me? See, that, uh, and if they're not transactional, at least they're situational. They're, they're people that, are, that come and go out of our lives, and they're based upon the, the running season. In the fall, we see them during cross-country, and, and they, their kids run with my kids. Then we don't see them all winter. And then in the springtime, when track season opens up, guess what? We join our friends once again on the track and the field events. Um, it's just, that's the way it is. The friendships end until the next season begins. But other relationships are more transactional. I've joined the Chamber of Commerce, and I'm, I'm on the board now. And in the Chamber of Commerce, I mean, they're, they're not even shy about it. They feel all, all relationships are transactional relationships. You are in this uh, group of people in order to um, get business contacts, to network with one another. Um, it's, it, the, the whole idea of joining the chamber is about building a network of relationships for the advantage of its members. And it's just very, very transactional. And see, the maze that we can get caught up in, in, in relationships in the suburbs is this, this maze here. What will this relationship do for me? What will this relationship benefit me? How will this b- relationship benefit the cause that I'm in? In the suburbs, there is the economics of relationships. We get chummy with the teacher who thinks our child is exceptional, and we be- can become part of the in-crowd at school. Or maybe we get close to the baseball president to ensure that our kid will get on the right team. Or... Perhaps we join the local Lions Club in order to build a relationship with one of the village trustees in order to get our building built. We might even get close to another mom who has a kid on our soccer team so that we can exchange rides and do some carpooling and get that done for us. Relationships become a win-win if we can't get a win-lose situation out of it. Often you see people gather together around those with similar or slightly higher economic status. And, and, and so how do we find our way home from relationships that are basically transactional? What do we do? How do we find our way home? What's the pathway home? I'm going to suggest that the pathway home is to build spiritual friendships. Is to build spiritual friendships in our lives is to get some friendships. I know we can't get all of our friendships. There's always going to be some 
places of transactional type relationships, but we need to have some relationships that are at the core of them spiritual. Jesus demonstrated what it meant to be a friend. It's how he does it. He understands what it's to be a spiritual friend to others. In John chapter 15, it's part of a larger discussion. This is between the time where Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and the coming of his arrest. I mean, it's basically in that period of time. So Jesus is, is having this relatively long discourse with his disciples. And... Um, he, in chapter 15, tells them to remain in him, abide in him, have a relationship with him. He's telling his disciples to have this spiritual relationship first and foremost with him. And then he says that the, a branch must be attached to its vine. If, if you and I are going to have life in us as, as, as a Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be attached to the vine who is Jesus Christ and need to be deeply attached to him. But then in verse 12 through 17, he begins this going from the vertical relationship with God the Father, with him, Jesus Christ, and to a horizontal relationship, our relationship with one another. And when Jesus uses the term friend, we must not misinterpret it like we would as, our, um, as just thinking our, our chum or our pal. But rather, he's looking at it as those who are in his inner court, those who are closest to him. When he says friends, he is saying the friend of the king, particularly whenever he's speaking of his friend. And so at the core, very core of our relationships, the relationships that you and I need to have at the very closest knitted places that we, we, that we have relationships need to be spiritual relationships. We can have a lot of these transactional things. You can have some of that because you can you know, just uh, deal with life here in the suburbs. But there needs to be a core of who our friends, our deepest and closest friends, have a spiritual aspect to it. As a matter of fact, at the core of that relationship. And so we're going to look at, at, at some of the, um, the aspects or the proofs of spiritual friendship. So let's look at it. We're going to start with John 15, looking at verse 12 and 13 first. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus commands his disciples to do what? Love one another. Now, this isn't a love of feeling. This is an emotional thing. This is primarily has to do with a commitment to one another. It's about a commitment. It's the same kind of love, a commitment that Jesus had for his disciples. That love that was demonstrated in the action of laying down his life for his friends. The first quality or the first proof of spiritual friendship is this. Spiritual friends commit to one another. They're committed to to one another. You and I need friendships that are of mutual commitment. It is the friendship in which we deny ourselves in order to benefit the other person. It is not a transactional expediency. It is based not on win-win or lose-lose, but it's both on both losing so that the other one can win. And this, was, this is the ancient proof of friendship. The ancient proof of friendship was this, is that what they would do for you. Now, and I just wanted to just, just, just go through just a, a little example here. And, and that is, suppose that you are out on the road one late night, and you're out there in the middle of nowhere, you know, somewhere down south of Wilmington, okay? 
Even further than Elwood there, Ron, okay? I mean, way down there. I mean, just out in the middle of the boonies. And you don't have any institutional friends like to triple A. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And what you do is you go through your, your, your mental Rolodex. Who can I call? And you'll go through, through, through your mental Rolodex. Maybe it'll be your, your Lions Club friends. You go, well, can I call them at 1 o'clock in the morning? Do they know anything about cars? You know, uh, you, know, uh, you, you, know, you go through and you go, okay, well, no. See, I can't go. And, you know, I go through these people. Can I call them? Can I call this relative? Can I go call somebody at church? And once you come down, eventually, you, it happens very quickly, you figure out who the person is that you could call at 1 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, my car's broke down, can you help? You know who that is. You've even thought about right now, you thought in your mind, yeah, I could call that person, I call that person, I call that person. And you know that if you called any of those persons, they would say, sure, I'll be there in a few minutes. You know. I know there's people I could call. There's people in my small group that I could call. I could call them and they would be there. If I was down there in Wilmington, I'd call Ron because Ron lives right around the corner from Wilmington so far south that, you know, I'd call Ron. He's right there, you know. There's people in the eldership. I could call them. I wouldn't call Mark because Mark knows nothing about cars. (laughs) But But there would be people I could call. There's people I could dial up. I could call and say, can you help me? And I know that they would. Because there's a commitment there. See, your brain calculates your committed friendships on the basis of the same ancient standard that Jesus did. What would they do for me? What have they done for me in the past? Notice how the Lord himself makes himself and an event. He says, here's the event to prove you to you that I love you. And know what that is? I laid down my life for you. He shows that. He says, I'm willing to lay down my life. I, that is why I'm your friend, because I laid down my life for you. As a matter of fact, greater love has no, no one than this, than they laid down the life for their friend. And Jesus steps up to the plate. And see, for spiritual friendship... It's that friendship that says, you know what? They're willing to do something for me. They're willing to step up to the plate for me. Let's move on to verse 14, 15, and see the next one. It says, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. The main ideals of friendship in the ancient world as it is today included loyalty, sometimes to the point of death, included equality and mutual sharing of all possessions, and intimacy in which a friend could confide into another friend. Jesus especially emphasizes this last point in verse 15 when he says, you, I don't have any secrets between you and me. You know me. I confide in you. I, 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 I share with you my pain, my difficulties, my, my struggles. Spiritual friends, here's, here's the next one. Spiritual friends confide in one another. A friend is one you can take your confidences to. 
And when you calculate, don't you do this? You calculate friendships based on who you can confide in. The ones you can confide in most are your closest and dearest. Let me give you a sweaty palm student illustration. Suppose, now for some of us, we have to go way back. Yesterday, I, record, I, I turned, um, I had my birthday yesterday, and I heard the lady over here in the restaurant said to me, well, are you 50? Oh, I mean, this was brutal. I mean, it was, it was brutal because during the week, Bob McMahon called me and said, did you see your picture in the paper? I said, no. He says, you look old. I mean, this, it's just been a rough week. Pray for me. He used to be my friend. But I, so I, I have to go way back. I've got to go way back. And so I want you to think of yourself as a college student at the U- UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. And, and you have midterms this week. But this weekend, you have basically partied all weekend. You've watched the, the, the great eight, you know, the, these last few games. You're going to be just spending all the time watching the games and partying with your friends. But on Monday morning, whenever you get on the train, you're going to study then. Because you know that this calc exam, if you don't make it, you're going to have to come back and do it again. And so you're there down at the train station there. You're, you're ready to go on, and you see a friend or at least an acquaintance, just a ways down. And all of a sudden, you, you know what you have to do. You've got to hide because you've got to study. You, so you open up the paper and you shove yourself in there and you're, you're studying. And, and the last thing you want to do is to be with that person because you know that you have to study for this exam. Now, I want you to suppose that, that here you are, you're a college student, and instead of this acquaintance who talks too much, going to take you off, there's a guy or a gal that you've always wanted to meet. You know, you've been interested in her, you've been interested in him. So what do you do with your calc test? I can always take a calc test. It's not that big of a deal, right? I'll just go up there. And so you talk with her or talk with him all the way into the city. Or Suppose a true friend comes on and comes onto the train with you. What do you say to that true friend? I'd like you to sit with me, but I need you to be shut up the entire trip. I've got to study for this test. Why? Because you actually can confide the truth of what is going on in your life. I've got to study for this test. I've got to get it done. To the one person you're not going to confide in because they're an acquaintance. You can't be rude to them, so you can't really do anything there. The second person you're interested in, so you really aren't a friend to that person yet. You're just trying to impress that person. But the third one is your friend who you say, you can sit by me, just don't say a word to me. I've got to study for this test. And see, in spiritual friendships, spiritual friendships allow you to confide in. To confide in. And I have several, blessed with several friendships that I have within this congregation who I consider friends who confide and we mutually confide in one another. And we're able to share life together. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's a wonderful thing to have friendships like that in our lives.
we can confide in Jesus too. That we can go to Him with He confides in us. We can go to Him in prayer. Intercessory prayer is about is about um, thinking through with God. And for some of us, we have to do some thinking through with God and and and, and talk to Him. Here our Lord teaches it. He says, you are not slaves. A slave does not even know what his master is doing, but I told you everything my father is doing. I've taken you into my confidences. You are my friends. And here is a proof of friendship. Let's look at the next verses, verse 16, 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This brings us into the proof of the final spiritual friendship, and that is spiritual friends are able to pray with and for one another. And it's not simply taking up the old sick list, the hospital list that we have on our, in our bulletin, which is important and it's useful, and we, we can pray for one another about sick issues. But it's praying about those spiritual issues, those relational dynamics, those, those issues of life that really... Um, Inter- you know, just happen because we have life to do together and, and sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's hard and it's not easy and, and, and we can pray for and with those needs. See, the pathway home for you and for me is for us to build spiritual friendships. Now, it's not easy to do that, is it? It is not easy. It takes time to build spiritual friendships. It's not something that's going to happen instantaneously. I've been meeting with a friend for seven years, and we closer and closer and closer. We get week after week after week, and we enter into each other's stuff, and we share with each other, and we love each other. And you just, you, it takes time. It takes time to do it. It takes being with each other. It takes community. God has placed friends in my, in my life. First of all, she placed Tina. My wife, my best buddy, to be my friend. And then there's the eldership here who are close. Friends, my small group, my neighbors. Neighbors! <laughs> who are my small, you know, small group. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, if, if, if you don't have spiritual friendships, you need to get into a small group as a first place to begin. You really do. Because all your relationships then will start to become less and less transactional. What can you do for me? How are you going to benefit my life? No, it becomes a mutual friendship in which it's give and it's take and it's love and it's hate and it's all the stuff that goes along with it. It's, a, it's the rubbing of, of shoulders with one another and it's the difficulties and, 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 it's, and it's praying for one another and it's confiding in one another and it's taking that chance that this person cares about me and I care about them. But you aren't going to do... You all, otherwise, relationships tend to be transactional. It has tendency to, to be about, what can you give me? What can I get from you? What can you, I do for you? How can I make this exchange of relationship? So I want to encourage you, if you haven't joined a small group, to do that. Talk to the people at the Welcome Center. Talk to Sherry Burnham. And begin that process. Because, see, it's in those spiritual friendships that life change really can happen. 
For more information about our church, children's ministry programs, and student ministry programs, check out www.lincolnway.org.